Welcome to Eat This Scroll, a University Fellowship Church podcast. My name is Chris Moore, and we get together about twice a week to to yuck it up, to to chop up chop up the things that we're chewing on in the Bible in our personal devotion time or what we're reading or contemplating, hopefully to encourage and edify you. And uh, and yeah, we also for the laughs. We do a little bit of laughing on this thing. Right, Sean? <laughs> we have Sean, yes. Sean Duncan here with us. You are the uh, college pastor here at UFC. Yes, I am. And, um, you know, you, you smell that? In, you smell that? In the, it smells, smells kind of Greek in here. Do you have something over there that we should know about? <laughs> I, walk, I walked into Chris's office today and I was like, uh, I told him I was, I was trying to figure out how I could be the most pretentious. <laughs> so I walked in with... With a kind of like old, dusty Greek New Testament, and honestly, for no purpose besides <laughs> having it in my hand and looking cool. And it is. It's got red gilded edges. It is yeah. a cool little Bible. It is. If you can read Greek, which I can't, but well, yeah. Well, anyways. Cool. Thanks for having me. We'll see <laughs> yeah. you next week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is my first time being in the new office and recording space. It is. This is cool. Yeah. Which is kind of nice because the last time I was in, your other office we finished our sermon on the mount stuff we did we concluded that so it's kind of a it's a fresh start in multiple ways for us mm-hmm. you don't even know what i'm going to talk about right i don't now. have a clue it's frightening that's so fun this uncertainty is unnerving oh, great <laughs> uh well uh in in real time for us this is what month is this june barely this is barely june the last last week this Friday, coming Friday will be July. But anyways, uh, the good fight started back up, our college yeah. ministry. And it, it's a it's a smaller group for the summer, so it's kind of fun. We get to kind of slow down and be a little bit more relational and yeah. go, go slower through things. So the thing that's on my mind is what we're going through for, for college right now. Cool. Um, also, Bible Project stuff. Like, that's always filling my head. But I thought it'd be fun to to just share what we're doing in college ministry throughout the summer. So we're going through first, or excuse me, we're going through second Timothy. Nice. Um, and we, so we had our first one last night and I, I'm, I'm hoping, cause I know a few good fighters also listen to the podcast. Nice. Um, this will not sound like repeat for them too. I, I kind of want to give like a window into the behind the scenes of how I even like come to like the main point of my sermon. Yeah. Um, but then also, um, if you listen to the Sermon on the Mount ones, that we were so nerdy. We were so nerdy. <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was good stuff. It was good, and it was so nerdy. And then this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the switch a little bit, where there will still be a hint of nerd, but it's just gonna maybe feel more more devotional and reflective in a sense. Cool. So we'll see what happens. That's great. I'm excited about um, it. Maybe my nerd will just overpower. It's though. yeah, inevitable. <laughs> okay. So. Um, we started Second Timothy. Second Timothy is um, arguably the last letter that the Apostle Paul writes, and he is in prison. Um, most scholars think he's in prison in Rome. Maybe he's in prison in Troas, but um, regardless, it's like the end of his life. I mean, this is the last thing he he seems to write uh, before he's executed in death. So, kind of a crummy situation yeah, for Paul at this it's point. Intense. And he's writing this final letter to Timothy and we have first Timothy and Timothy is a, a young pastor elder and he's stationed in Ephesus. Um, so he's writing to Timothy. He's overseeing the church in Ephesus and he's encouraging him in both first and second Timothy to uh, basically guard the, the, the gospel um, by all measures, by all costs and, and to, to guard doctrine because doctrine is what, um, 
enables a church to flourish is to have right doctrine. So that's his encouragement is to um, what he'll say in the end of second Timothy is he'll tell Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. That's, Wait a minute. That's where our college ah. ministry gets the name. Yeah. So, so let me read for you the first seven verses is what we looked at okay. um, this first week of good fight. And, and I'll tell you the main point of my sermon and then how I got that. Okay. Great. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So there's the introduction to the letter. It's good. And um, when it comes to preaching, uh, always what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to discern um, the main point of the text. And um, more often than that, than not, that's also the main point of the sermon. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the, it's always, I'm always trying to let the text drive the sermon. I don't want to say my own ideas. And I also want to um, not miss the main ideas of the text. So whatever the main point of the text is, that's, I want, I want to be the main point of the sermon. So the main point of my sermon last night, thinking about the text, thinking about the message, I said in a simple sentence was, um, God's graciousness produces our thankfulness. Mm. Mm. Maybe you're like, how are you getting that from that text? Yeah, I'm curious to find out. You know, because even just from, we just read it and it's like, well, he introduces himself. He says, hey, Timothy, I've been praying for you and I miss you and I, I know you've been crying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably, probably, probably because ministry. Sorry, but he's like, yeah. but then Paul's like, I, li- I really want to see you though because it'd make me happy. <laughs> yeah, like okay. Uh, and then he talks about how we've been given a spirit of power, love, and self control. So you're like, okay, Sean, how are you getting? How are you getting thankfulness from there? Mm-hmm. Well, um, the main um, verb. I'm trying to think of grant gram grammatically. The main verb of the text Paul actually introduces is not that he's praying, but that he is thankful. Mm. Uh, he says, uh, he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors while I've been praying for you. So he's telling Timothy, I've been praying for you, but the emphasis is on his thankfulness. Hmm. So um, I have had the the benefit and the luxuries of getting to, to like dabble in the original languages of Hebrew and Greek a little bit. So um, I start, I try to work through texts in the original languages as best I can. Like I'm, I'm like a child fumbling my way through (laughs) a dictionary. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, But the phrase um, I thank God that he says in verse three in Greek, this is why I brought it ah. in. It's, it's just uh, two. It, well, it's four words, that whole phrase, but it's Karen echo to Theo. Karen echo to Theo. Uh, God is those last two mm-hmm. words. So in Greek, there's uh, a di- actually a different word for giving thanks. Hmm. It's the word um, Eucharist deo which is what we get the word Eucharist from. Interesting. Because in in the Gospels, when Jesus takes the bread and the cup and he gives it to his disciples, uh, it says that he took the bread and he gave thanks. Mm-hmm. He, he, he gave Eucharist. <laughs> so yeah. that's where we get the phrase Eucharist. It means um, to give thanks. Hmm. So when, when we, we're talking about Eucharist, even though we're talking about the bread and the cup, 
It's coming from a, a Greek word that means thanks. Um, this phrase though, Karen echo, the verb is echo, which means I have. And the word Karen, it's coming from the Greek word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. Mm-hmm. So uh, a very wooden translation is grace I have. And what happened in um, around the time of, of Paul, what was happening in the Greek language is, is grace that was something or charis was something that was was given. Uh, it was a gift of favor from someone who has more power, more position, more more authority, something to benefit others, even though they don't have anything to give in return. So maybe a king would give grace or a father would give grace. Um, but to have grace, Karen echo um, it became like this this little phrase of the proper um, response of gratitude for receiving the benefit hmm. so it, it, it's almost like rejoicing over the benefit that has been given so Paul here like the first thing he's actually saying in this letter besides his little introduction is grace I have hmm. and, and it's, the, it is, it's an expression of gratitude of thankfulness yeah so that so that is what's um, forming my whole idea uh, of of what the text means that the the grace of God produces our thankfulness, or um, God's graciousness leads to our thankfulness. Hmm. So then, I, I'm looking through the text, uh, Paul introduces himself as an apostle, and then he begins to talk about well, how is he an apostle? Well, it's by the will of God, according to the promise of God, uh, the promise of life. Um, in Christ Jesus. So uh, who he is uh, specifically as an apostle finds its source generally in his salvation. And all of that is by God's sovereignty. Yeah. By the will of God, according to the promise that God made, like God's not working out his will according to your efforts or your ingenuity. Mm -hmm. He's working out to a promise that he made. Yeah. He's just being faithful to himself. Yeah, or serendipity. Uh, Yeah. And, And then not only is God... Um, carrying out his will because he's faithful to himself. But then the way he carries it out is he doesn't say, well, all right, well, I'm going to carry out my promise. And Chris, you're going to have to pull yourself together and make it happen. Oh boy. He makes it, he makes it happen in the person of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So everything about who we are in our salvation is God's work. Mm-hmm. He has done everything. We have done nothing. That is um, a great definition of grace. Yeah. So, so who Paul is specifically finds the source and who he is generally in the salvation of God. Mm-hmm. Same thing for us. Uh, and the salvation of God, as you who are very reformed in this office oh, know. Oh, Lord. <laughs> there, there's an ongoing joke here at UFC that yeah. Chris is the most reformed. The maybe most it's, maybe reformed. it's not even a joke. Maybe it's true. I don't know. We'll, I'll find an online <laughs> test. We can all take it. <laughs> <laughs> it gives us our, our reformer <laughs> yeah. avatar. You are John Calvin. <laughs> you are Wesley. <laughs> Do you carry a hammer around? There you go. <laughs> um, so we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what he's saying in this first, first verse right here. But then he turns to Timothy. He's writing to Timothy, who, who's not his physical son. He just discipled Timothy. And the first thing he says to Timothy is grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. The, the first thing he wants Timothy to hear is grace. So, uh, charis. Right? Mm-hmm. So, he talks about um, um, the grace that he's received in his salvation leading to his, his specific 
personal identity and ministry. And then first things he says to Timothy is grace, which grace is undeserved favor. It's love for the unloved. It's, it's giving a sinner what a sinner does not deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who has acted heinously and yet they receive something beautiful um, that, that maybe someone who was righteous would have deserved. And then mercy, mercy is withholding. It, not only is it a compassion for those who are broken, but mercy is, is withholding what a sinner does deserve. Mm-hmm. You get pulled over and, uh, for speeding, and then the cop says, I'm going to let you go with a warning. That's mercy. Right. What you deserve is a ticket. You criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to jail. <laughs> and, then, and then when you have both grace and mercy, when, when God gives you what you don't deserve as a sinner and then withholds what you do deserve as a sinner, what you have is peace. Uh, rather than being in enmity with God and hostility with God, you have harmony and you have relationship. Um, you are not at war anymore. You're at peace with God. And all of that is from God. Mm-hmm. So even just in that little introduction, those first two lines, then of course Paul says, "Grace I have, grace yeah. I have. I, I'm I, I thank God whom I serve." But then as he keeps going through it, not only is he thankful uh, for the grace of the salvation of God, but then as he begins, he, he really he just wants to tell Timothy, like if you're if you're reading it, you're like, okay, he just wants to tell Timothy, "Hey, I've been praying for you." Yeah. But then he can't help but talk about. Well, as I begin to try and pray for you, I become overwhelmed thinking about your sincere faith. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, it overwhelms me. There's a thing about you as a disciple and how you love Jesus. Um, but where did all that come from? Well, first it dwelt in your grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she just, she loved Torah and she was always waiting for the Messiah to come to, to bring salvation to the world. And, and that faith was passed on to your mother, Lo, uh, Eunice. And Eunice loved her scriptures and she, she loved the promises of God and was always waiting for the Messiah. And now I'm, I'm confident that it dwells in you as well because I've seen it in action. So yeah. he just can't help but rejoice and be thankful for not only the grace of God and his salvation, but the grace of God in the saints of God. Yeah. So it's, it's an amazing thing that God's salvation comes to us through his saints. No one is saved apart from a saint of God. Mm-hmm. So um, you and I, we were not sitting on a hill um, humming or anything like that. <laughs> and then all of a sudden God was like, I'm saving you. Boom. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not how it happened. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe we were on our own when we were saved, when we came to the realization of who Jesus was, but we heard the gospel from someone, mm-hmm. a saint of God, a, a follower of Jesus shared the gospel with us or made it known. And maybe you're thinking, well, actually I was sitting in my bedroom and I was reading the gospel of Mark and my eyes were open to the goodness of God. Okay. Well, Mark wrote. Yeah. (laughs) You can thank me. A a saint of God wrote that. So even though salvation is, is purely and only a work of God for us, it is transmitted to us through saints Mm -hmm. is our responsibility and it's been the responsibility of saints past to, to communicate the gospel. How kind has God been to us and that he has sent people into our lives to pray for us, to share the gospel with us. I I, I have 
uh, I can think off the top of my head, like a list of 15 people who are pivotal in either leading me to Christ or discipling me in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can do the same thing too. And then think about all the people who we can't name, like the people who met us at church or our, our grandmas or our grandpas who, who just quietly prayed for us that a, a, an opportunity would come. Mm-hmm. And all of that is the grace of God. Grace I have. And then he doesn't even stop there. He not only that, but again, the word grace shows up, uh, shows up in um, verse six. You might not see it though in English. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Uh, Gift. So so the word uh, charis in Greek, um, every word has like multiple meanings, you know, like the word wind. What, what does that mean? Well, it's the stuff that moves the trees outside or it's the stuff I pass in Chris's office, you know, <laughs> multiple different meanings. <laughs> we can edit that, that out. But anyways, uh, words have multiple meanings. Um, sometimes the word charis gets translated as grace. Sometimes it gets translated as gift because it's a gift. That's right. what it is. Um, this is a word. It, it's from the same stem. It, it's charisma. So, mm-hmm. so God has given us uh, a, a gift. He's given us a grace. Um, and this grace, this gift, this grace that he's given us is not a spirit of, of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. It, it, God has gifted us with his own spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and this spirit empowers us to be able to walk faithfully in what he's called us to do. And th- his spirit um, empowers us not only to be able to do things, but fills us with love, with, with agape, a and an emotional and sacrificial commitment to the well-being of others and to walk faithfully towards and with God. And then self-control, the ability to not do the things that God has called us not to do, you know, to be able to say no to sin. What he's not saying is, you know what, Timothy, you have so much self-control. Mm-hmm. You can fight sin in your life. He doesn't say that. And he doesn't say that to us either. It's not, hey, Chris, you know what? I, I see those patterns of sin in your life. You have so much self-control, you can just say no to that. Yeah. But what he does say is you have a spirit given to you by God of self-control mm-hmm. that will enable you and empower you by love to say no to sin because you love God. Yeah. And All of this is a, gra- is a grace. It's a gift. Uh, how much grace do we have? Yeah, far beyond what we deserve. And, and does this not make you thankful? Mm-hmm. You know, Paul's in prison. He's in prison about to die. He he's asked Timothy at one point, will you bring my winter coat? Yeah. Like he's cold. Yeah. He's cold. He has nothing. He's about to die. And yet he can say, um, as he even says, with a clear conscience, thank God. Yeah. Why? Because the wooden translation, grace I have. So I've been just trying to remind myself, grace I have. In, mm-hmm. in the salvation that I have, um, in the saints of God that have been given to me, and then in the spirit of God that empowers me. And all these things, these are these are things I do not deserve, yet God has lavished me with them. And he lavishes all of his people with, mm-hmm. the, with these gifts. Grace I have. And I can be thankful, and I have no room to complain or to grumble. But I only um, turn away from grumbling and complaining once I see just how much I actually have. Grace I have. So this is all uh, first and foremost true, obviously. Um, it's it's stuff that there's a familiarity about it, and yet there's so much disconnect, mm-hmm. I think, in the human experience. Um, you, you know, 
I think regardless of your depth as a believer, sometimes you can just feel discouraged. But what do you think are the things that kind of get people off the path of of acknowledging and recognizing and walking in that grace that they've received? Great question. That was actually part of my sermon last night. <gasps> and we didn't even plan this. <laughs> we did not. I was, like, I was like, here's three reasons why you might not be thankful. Yeah. Okay, so I'll give them to you. Yeah. Uh, so um, first, I, I think that we become bitter and we complain when uh, we we think we have little. Mm. When we think we have a scarcity, we complain and we're bitter. But it's all, But I also believe that once we see just how much we actually have, we're thankful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's always a perspective thing. So so the three reasons why I think that any of us might not be thankful in our life. Three reasons. The first one, uh, maybe you actually just don't have the grace of God. Yeah. Maybe you approach. Maybe you say I'm a Christian. But maybe what you mean by that is, well, I'm a pretty moral person and I think I need to earn my relationship with God. Well, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of grace. You think that it's something you either deserve or something that you earn. Mm -hmm. Grace is something by definition that you don't deserve and that you do not earn. It's freely given. So maybe you just don't have the grace of God. Um, But for all of us as Christians, we complain and we're bitter and we're not thankful. So what's going on there? So the other two reasons why I think Maybe we're not thankful. It is, is um, one. Maybe we just don't see the grace of God. Like maybe we don't slow down in texts like this and and think to ourselves, why is Paul saying, "I thank God whom I serve." Yeah. Um, and we don't we don't spend the time to actually just look and to see God's goodness in our salvation, to see God's goodness in the saints He's given to us, and to see God's goodness in the Spirit that He's empowered us with. Um, so maybe we're just rushing through things and we're just not seeing it. But then the the third way, I think the most common way, I, I think we're not thankful because we forget the grace of God. Mm. Uh, so here's the word that shows up the most in this little text. Uh, in verse three, Paul says, um, I thank God whom I serve as a divine answer with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers. Verse four, as I remember you in my, t- uh, remember your tears, I long to see your face. Uh, verse five, I am reminded of your sincere faith. And then verse six, for this reason, for all this, I remind you hmm. to fan into flame the gift that has been given to you. So you have the gift and yet you need to fan it into flame. Just like, like you know, you want to start a bonfire. You start really small and you have to like blow on it and get some oxygen going. And then it becomes an uproar. Same thing with this gift of grace that God has given to us. If we neglect it, if we ignore it, it, it just seems small and insignificant. But if we give it attention and we give it focus and we, to use the metaphor, fan it into flame, it overwhelms every aspect of our of ourself. But Paul has to say to Timothy, I remind you mm-hmm. to fan this gift into flame. I remind you yeah. of the grace of God. One of the many benefits of church one of the simple benefits of church is a weekly reminder of just how good god is to us so i i that's like why am i why was i so like frustrated and bitter this morning (laughs) i was driving to work and then i had to think of this text and say grace i have it's just like i forget yeah the grace of god in my life so we're really forgetful people um the two most common commands uh the two commands that appear the most in scripture is do not fear and do not forget Hmm. Oof. <laughs> That's unrelatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hey, if you're if you're ever 
in a, you're walking out of a Sunday sermon and you're like, oh, it didn't seem very applicable. But if the application was don't forget or remember how good God is, that's a great application. In fact, that's the most common application in the entire Bible. So, yeah. so don't forget just how good God has been to you. And because we're forgetful, we just need constant reminders from the saints of God. So mm-hmm. as a community, we, we remind each other how good God has been to us. And then it replaces our bitterness and our complaining with gratitude and thankfulness because grace I have. And I think it's worth considering too what we fill our time with and how we uh, invite distraction in stuff that feeds that forgetfulness or replaces truth of what we've received from God with lies from what this world offers or what we can offer ourselves. Um, so that has been uh, timely, practical. I think it's always timely. We should probably remember to remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, but We got a little bit nerdy and very, very practical. So I appreciate you bringing that here. Thank you, Sean. You bet, man. Thanks for having me. You betcha. We'll get you next time. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you to our guests for coming and sharing what they've been chewing on in God's word. We produce these podcasts and release them twice a week. So please subscribe so you don't miss out on one. And don't forget, love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. 